This non-accredited E-Cystic Fibrosis Review Special Edition podcast is presented by DKP Med Radio. Shared decision-making. We know it's especially important in managing cystic fibrosis, but what do we know about how to best achieve it? Welcome to this special edition of E-Cystic Fibrosis Review. I'm Bob Busker, Managing Editor of the program. As a reminder, this podcast is not accredited and does not provide continuing education credit, but it does provide important information. E-Cystic Fibrosis Review Program Director, RN Donna Peeler, is a clinical nurse at the Johns Hopkins Cystic Fibrosis Center in Baltimore. Recently, she interviewed Ella Balassa, an adult with cystic fibrosis in Richmond, Virginia, who has been working in CF patient advocacy. Their discussion focused on what clinicians and their patients with CF, as well as the parents of pediatric patients with CF, what they can do to help develop the kind of effective shared decision-making that leads to improved outcomes. And now, CF Program Director Donna Peeler and CF Patient Advocate Ella Balassa. Welcome. My name is Donna Peeler. I am the program director for E-Cystic Fibrosis Review, and I am here today to have an interview with Ella Balassa. Hi, Donna. Thanks for having me today. Um, I am an adult living with cystic fibrosis. I'm 29 years old, and I am seen at the um, VCU Adult CF Clinic in Richmond, Virginia. And I've been um, working in patient advocacy um, the last couple of years um, and really know and understand the, the value of having patients involved in their care with their care teams um, and just throughout the um, development of new research and, and product development too. So I know we'll get into a little more detail about maybe the definition of patient advocacy, um, but I think we'll start with some questions and that may help um, bring out what it is exactly um, we can do to improve this. Um, I guess from a care team perspective, in what ways could clinicians and the CF care team better support patients to encourage this shared decision-making in care? Yeah, I think first and foremost, um, physicians must really respect the patient autonomy and really understand that ultimately the patient is the most knowledgeable on their own health and um, what might be the best care decisions made together. Um, but to facilitate this, I think the patients have to be feel um, comfortable in relaying their experiences and having this collaboration and this environment to do so. Mm -hmm. um, I think encouraging for, for the care teams to encourage um, patients to get gain more knowledge, you know, ask questions um, and be more involved in their own care and, and, and encourage them to make, to make these decisions together. Um, and some of that, you know, would involve needing perhaps, you know, additional educational resources um, outside the clinic setting and, you know, maybe providing that and, and facilitating that to improve patient knowledge overall. Um, and I think, and then ultimately to remember that when you have more informed and more 
eager patients who are willing to um, take more responsibility for their health, that ultimately improves um, their health overall in the long run and just facilitates better a better patient and doctor or better patient and care team uh, relationship over time. Yes, I agree. That that is a lot of really good information. And I could see this, uh, the approach that the clinicians may need to take could vary with the age of the patient because you're, um, you know, encouraging some skills that uh, I could easily see a teenager to adult uh, maybe being able to take on and younger than that, it may be uh, the parent that you're working with. And again, I can tell you that the parents want to be as much a partner in the decision making for their child's care. So in what ways, um, I guess, did you seek out um, some knowledge? I know that the clinicians, we can, uh, they can offer sources. Uh, what did you find was helpful as far as uh, where to find information and um, was it best coming from your CF clinic or did you do some research on your own? Yeah, um, you know, I think that it is a change over time. It's, you know, somebody is not going to become overnight, you know, completely knowledgeable in, in, in every aspect of, of having CF and always knowing what is going to be the best decision or, you know, being, being vocal about their feelings and, and their opinions. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something that I have learned over time. And as I transitioned from pediatric to adult care and, you know, gained more responsibility and was given more responsibility for my own health management, you know, whether that, that was, you know, calling the pharmacies for refills from prescriptions, um, you know, not having my mom answer some of the questions in, in the office setting with, with the doctor, with other care team members, um, not having her answer, answer the questions that were directed to me. Um, and, you know, I think some of, some of it is her also, you know, as the parent stepping back and allowing the young person or the child, you know, the, the young adult to, to take on those, even on those initiatives, even though it may be out of comfort, you know, out of our comfort zone. Um, but I think I've always been somebody that wants the best health outcomes for myself. And I knew in order to have that, I needed to understand um, a lot of things about my care and to take that initiative. And so I def I did receive I did receive support from my care team, certainly. I think that they were very open and, and you know, having an easy dialogue, which is really important. My, my parents also certainly helped to push me in that way where I, you know, they, they wanted me to begin to take on some of these roles for myself. So I think that's a huge factor too, is, you know, the, the support outside of the clinic setting too, um, that does play a role. And then I think um, I, like I said, I'm just somebody that wants to learn more and is eager to have the best care that I can. So I've certainly just done Google researches. Um, of course, there's a lot of a lot of CF related um, resources available that I did, you know, look into and um, did have help. Um, but you know, from the CF Foundation, you know. 
through smaller patient organizations and just other, and just contacting other patients too, um, other, you know, other peers that were going through the same thing that I was. Um, so it's kind of a, a combination uh, of everything, certainly. It sounds like you were very self-motivated and uh, I can see uh, in working with patients that are very self-motivated, this can be a little bit easier. Uh, it could be a challenge for clinicians, you know, if they uh, are working with someone that maybe isn't as motivated about you know, their care. Um, are there some things, does it help to have maybe some more personalized information about um, how you're doing, the treatments that are being recommended uh, and why that, you know, can they show you some data or some information uh, directly about how you are doing. Do you think that that would help engage some of this, um, you know, partnering with the clinicians and maybe inspiring some to become a little more interested in uh, advocating for themselves and um, seeking some of that information out? Yeah, certainly. I think that when, you know, we're, we are given that kind of information about, specifically about our own health, you know, whether that's through, uh, at-home spirometry data, you know, or um, other, you know, through like wearable technologies um, that we can, you know, see our progress and monitor that ourselves. Um, I think that that adds um, a level of individuality and then also um, kind of puts a little bit of the onus on ourselves that, you know, we have, we have, the um, ability to to have an impact on our health. It's not it's not out of our hands. You know, it's not up to it's not completely up to our doctors to tell us exactly what we need to do for our health to make it better. You know, we have that ability to in our daily lives, you know, see the effects of what we're doing um, that might have an impact on our health. And so I think that that it just brings awareness or brings light to um, the fact that, yes, this is our bodies and we should know about it and we should care about it. Um, so I would agree that, yeah, that definitely is something that, um, is helpful. I think in, for specifically maybe for those, um, individuals who do struggle with, you know, taking this, taking the initiative, really wanting to be a part of their care at, at a very uh, deep level. Yes, and that can be a process depending on the age and your health changes over time. So sometimes I could see this partnering being that there's some information that the healthcare providers can provide, um, and that can be for many different team members. Um, it may be the physician presenting pulmonary function testing or culture results, or maybe an image of a chest CT. And then you have the physical therapist come in and um, present, you know, a whole different, you know, perspective. And, you know, each team member may be, you know, bringing this uh, information to the patient, but then the patient being able to say, as you pointed out, that you know what's going on inside your body. And I would think the clinicians need to have that information and to really encourage patients not to be afraid to 
maybe question some of the things that they're hearing from the clinicians, um, asking for more explanation because they may be either feeling totally fine and it doesn't match up with, you know, maybe what is being presented or the opposite, that there's more going on uh, than what, you know, maybe is just seen in some of the numbers and pictures and, and that kind of thing. So um, I yeah. think it's critical that you know, we get both um, perspectives. Yeah, exactly. As you said, like some of those you know, smaller details that, you know, a doctor may not necessarily pick up on whether, you know, okay, our numbers might look okay, but if our symptoms are not, or, you know, our feelings are not reflecting that, then, um, then there is a problem, then there, that something does need to be addressed. Um, but they might not necessarily know that from just looking at data results from a CT scan, you know, from a chest x-ray or from mm -hmm. blood work. So um, that's why it is so important that, we do um, be vocal about about our our day-to-day -day health and you know what what might feel off um, because the better that you know things can be caught sooner and, and addressed um, the, the better overall that we're going to be how um, how can we improve that relationship between the patient and the care team so that the patient feels comfortable maybe questioning things or sharing maybe more about how they're feeling. It might be um, even maybe a little controversial. They may not be doing everything that is laid out in the treatment plan, but they're doing well. So they want to be able to share that. They might want to negotiate some on some of their treatments. How can we, I guess, as care team members, help the patients feel more comfortable in opening up and building that trust? You know, it is a difficult dynamic, right? It's just depending on even personalities and, you know, what kind of day that person might be having on that particular clinic visit. Um, but I think it, overall, just having um, very candid, you know, open dialogue really being honest um from from the from the the care team's perspective of you know this is this is what your results are this is um if you aren't taking care of your health these might be the consequences you know really mm -hmm. um and and then also but also so being transparent and realistic but also having you know a, a, a deep Root, root of empathy because you know ultimately the person is is dealing with a lot and it is a lot to manage um and trying to put yourself in their shoes maybe under maybe there is things going on outside the you know in their homes that might be a, a reason why they may not be that um you know compliance or might have certain issues or, or problems with you know, being able to manage um, their care or, or whatever else. And so I think when um, when, a, when a patient can feel like they're heard, um, I think that helps people open up more. And maybe some of those potentially other underlying issues can be uh, can be surfaced. And and so I think that's just what's important to remember. And, and then, of course, you know, that by doing all of these things, by being open, by being honest, 
transparent, um, and empathetic, the care team might still encounter somebody who is just unwilling to to step up to do what they need to do or to be open or to really be engaging and and then at that point you know you have you have to also just know that you've tried everything you could um and that's just really the most important too so of course i know that that is the reality um where you you know care teams definitely encounter patients that are very um you know complicated and difficult and um and that that's the truth this is the reality yeah and it, it is sometimes a process it may not happen in one visit it may not happen um with one clinician it may be you know someone else that goes in um and they may be the second or third person that's been in and, and engaging with the patient and then you know, the patient feels a little more comfortable um, opening up. But I heard you say how important listening is and um, really hearing what the patient's saying and showing some empathy that, you know, we don't have to be so um, clinical and, and rigid that it's um, okay to um, to take some time to delve into some of you know, the patient's feelings and experiences and, um, you know, and that may reshape uh, what is feasible for that patient to do. And so to incorporate um, that quality of care, quality of life, you know, for that patient is just as important as uh, some of the treatments that are being recommended and that if they feel that they can, that they've been heard and that they're not going to be punished or scolded or, um, and that actually what they say will be incorporated into the plan that maybe they'll be a little more uh, trusting and see the importance of that. Um, is there anything else that you would say to the patient to help improve their confidence in advocating for themselves? I know you've mentioned so many you know, yeah. great points, but I didn't know if there was anything else. Well, I, I just want to say that that summed it up very well with you know what what the care teams can do for for the patients. I really mm-hmm. like that, and and the key I think yeah is the trust is um when when trust is built, um, I think that. Um, there can be really open dialogue and and a lot of progress can be made through that. Um, As far as for the patients, I I think we have to remember that, you know, we have to see ourselves as equal partners in our care with our care teams. Um, And this is how, you know, we can improve on our our self-confidence to be our, to advocate for ourselves too. and to allow that to happen, to, to build our confidence, I think we need to be inquisitive, eager to understand more about new research and new treatment options and more about our personal health. Um, you know, make it a point to ask questions, of course, when there is a certain plan of action or, or why a certain medication or, or really anything about our, about our care that we have questions about. And then also as, as you know, the, the physicians and the care teams should be open in, in engaging in dialogue and, 
and build that trust, so too does does the patients. We have to be open about our feelings uh, and our thoughts, and then this will, of course, foster better communication and, and collaboration. That's well said. And I, I think this past year has been a little more challenging with um, COVID and trying to engage patients in clinic. Um, virtual was a little, I think, more difficult to get that kind of personal connection. Um, but you still, you know, I think the key being that we stay in touch, that we keep, you know, regular contact. Um, and then when we do have that opportunity to see um, patients in person, that we really kind of maximize that opportunity and that other members of the team um, as well. I know, um, you know, even on the research end with new things coming out and all that, you may hear about them, read about them, but to have a trusted uh, care provider explain some things, um, even with some of the new things that are that we're dealing with in our healthcare, that having that trusted relationship goes a long way with helping to explain why, you know, we may need to, you know, take more precautions, may have to uh, do, you know, added things to the treatment plan that maybe, uh, you know, didn't make a lot of sense. But I think once uh, you get that, um, explanation and that the input from someone that you trust that that uh, goes a long way. Yes, I absolutely would agree with every, all of that. So it sounds like we could do better with just respecting um, our patient's autonomy um, and really the uh, encouraging our patients to ask questions, do some research, um, come to clinic, you know, prepared with some questions or challenges about um, their treatment plan or new things out there or why um, are they not candidates you know, for certain things. So um, I think that could go a long way too, even in some of the pre-clinic planning that goes into um, this clinic experience, you know, with the patients, that it's not um, just on the spot, that, you know, we can encourage um, that involvement and questioning from parents and from the patients. And I appreciate your explanation of that transition from pediatrics through teens into adult, that it, it is a process. And uh, it may be that the parents are the ones asking those questions initially and being that advocate and handing that over uh, to the patient is um, very important. Is there anything else, any final words that you would want to say to um, the clinicians, to the patients, just about the importance of advocacy? Yeah, I, I think that this, we summed up a lot of really great points here and, and thank you again for having me. And I guess the last thing that I, I would say is when, and I really, I kind of made this point before too, but when we have um, open dialogue and, and respect for one another and, um, you know, the best, the, 
the best in in mind for for each other, then I think that's when um, you know healthcare can really improve, and an individual's health can um, can be sustained and and improved over time. So um, I think that's ultimately what we have to do um, in the long run. So thanks for having me. Well, thank you. I know. Um... There's always so many challenges and obstacles that we have to get through in the healthcare field. So um, I think working together uh, in a shared decision making and um, patients really advocating for their own health in such a changing environment is so important. So really appreciate your insight. Um, and it's been a pleasure. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this non-accredited podcast. Our thanks to East Cystic Fibrosis Review Program Director, Donna Peeler, from the Johns Hopkins Cystic Fibrosis Center in Baltimore, and to patient advocate, Ella Balassa. This program is also available online in video format at the CF Education Resource Center at cffd.dkbmed.com. And a reminder, if you're not yet an East Cystic Fibrosis Review subscriber, please consider joining us. There are no fees involved, either for receiving our accredited programs or for obtaining your CME or CE credits. Just go to dkbmed.com. That's dkbmed, delta kilo bravo med.com. Or if you're listening to us on iTunes or whatever podcast provider you use, please like us. The more listeners we have, the more programs we can provide. Thank you for listening. For E-Cystic Fibrosis Review, I'm Bob Busker. The opinions and recommendations expressed by faculty and other experts whose input is included in this program are their own. This enduring material is produced for educational purposes only. E-Cystic Fibrosis Review is copyright with all rights reserved by DKB Med, LLC.